Amen. Amen. Let's give it up for the worship team. What's happening? How y'all doing? Y'all feeling good tonight? Good. Good. Everybody excited to be here? Good. Let's bring the house lights up a little bit. I can't see this whole section over here. Y'all a little dark. I know it ain't a room full of black people over there, so. There we go. There go the white people. Hey, how y'all doing? There they go. I knew y'all was coming. All right. Psalm 62. I don't know what that meant. Psalm 62 is where you can find me tonight. Psalm 62. We've been in the series, and I tell you, uh, God has really been blessing uh, as we've dealt with some serious, uh, real issues. Some might even say dark, but uh, we've been able to turn the gospel light in a lot of these dark areas on. So I've just been excited, been hearing great feedback from people that Lord's just really been touching their heart. So tonight we just pray that God will just continue to move uh, like he's been moving as we deal with Psalm 62. Psalm 62, when you got it, say, I got it. Still looking, say, still looking. Take your time, just hurry up. Psalm 62, this is David. And uh, tonight we talk about in this series, Singing the Blues, as we've talked about how in the Psalms, the Psalms tend to take the best of life and the worst of life and mix it together kind of like a good old blues song. I can't help but think of the song, The Thrill is Gone. And although The Thrill is Gone, it sounds like he's still happy. You know what I mean? It's like being able to take the best and the worst of life, mixing together and seeing perspective and seeing hope in the midst of that. Of course, when we come to the gospel in the book of Psalms, not only do we see perspective, but we see a hope that's a godly hope. Uh, In the midst of all of these raw emotions, we see God shining through the worst of moments. Uh, just, just like we're going to see in Psalm 62 tonight, tonight we're dealing with inner conflict. And uh, David is going to take us on a journey as we work through his inner conflict that he's dealing with. Psalm 62, verse 1. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock in my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Verse 3. How long will you assault a man? Would, would all of you throw him down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? They fully intend to topple him from his lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts, oh, in their hearts, they curse. Verse 5. Find rest Oh, my soul in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times. Oh, people, pour out your hearts to him. For God is our refuge. Selah. Verse 9, low-born men are but a breath. The high-born are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken, but two things have I heard. That you, O God, are strong and that you, O Lord, are loving. Surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. Amen. 
story of two young boys, one named Lies, the other named Truth. Lies and Truth decided to go swimming this day, something that they did on a regular basis. But this day they decided to do something a little different. When they got to the swimming pool, they decided, you know what, let's take off all our clothes and let's go skinny dipping. Yep, he said skinny dipping. He, they went and they jumped in the, in the clothes, no clothes on, totally naked, and they're playing around. Young boys just having a good time. They're playing a game called uh, Marco Polo, where one person says Marco and the other person says... You've played the game before. It's this other game that they play. It's, it's kind of the, the, the idea of the, of, the, of the game is to see who can hold their breath under the water the longest. So Lies decided, let's, let's play this game. So Lies cut it off. One, two, three. Truth went down, but Lies stayed up. Lies stayed up, jumped out of the water, got his clothes and Truth's clothes and went to the house. All the while, Truth is under the water thinking he's winning the game. Truth jumps up, looks around and sees Lies is gone. Turns around, goes to the side of the pool, sees that it's clothes are gone. So now, truth is forced to walk all the way home, bucky naked. You got it. So truth is walking all the way, goes straight to Lies house, knocks on the door, bang, bang, bang. Lies comes down. Truth says, man, why did you leave me at the pool and why did you take my clothes? As a matter of fact, you got my clothes on, man. Why did you take, why you got my clothes on? Lies looks at him and says, I don't know what you're talking about. I've been sitting around watching VeggieTales all morning. So they get into this argument. They go back and forth, dispute, argument, argument. The, the, the argument moves out into the middle of the street. And just like any good junior high fight, what happens? People see what's happening. They create this big circle around. So people are starting to circle around and they're watching this big conflict take place. And Lies is like, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And Truth is like, dude, if you don't give me my clothes, I'm about to bust you in your eye. So so they start going back and forth and they're arguing, arguing. And the people that are standing around are forced to ask themselves the question, who to believe? Lies and truth clothing or the naked truth? Lies and truth clothing or the naked truth? Some of you will get that on the way home. Today in our passage, we want to talk about inner conflict. We want to talk about what does it mean for you to look in the mirror and ask yourself the question, who to believe? Lies and truth clothing or the naked truth? Because as we go through this life, there are moments when we look at ourselves in the mirror and we have to identify what part of us is really us. And what part of this is who they say I am, but when I look at myself, that's not really who I say. It looks like the truth, but it's really not the truth. When, when people see me, they see one thing, but oh, when I see myself, I see a whole other thing. And which one is real and which one is what they think? Which, which one is me and which one is them? And we look ourselves in the mirror trying to figure out who is who. And there's a conflict that takes place. It's kind of like the, the, the new movie uh, that's come out. It's one of the biggest opening movies of all time, The Dark Knight. How many of you have seen The Dark Knight? Nice, nice, nice. It's, it's, it's like this movie from beginning to end. If you haven't seen it, I'm about to totally ruin the ending. The guy, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He's like, oh, no, no, no. No, 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 I'm just playing. There's nothing. Although it would be kind of, nah, okay, no, 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 okay, okay, I won't. But I can tell you this. It deals with conflict. From the very beginning to the very end, Batman is trying to figure out what kind of hero is he going to be. Is he going to be the hero that Gotham City wants him to be? Or is he going to be the hero that they need him to be? Is, is he going to be the hero that they expect and that they've come to know and love? Or is he going to be the, 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 the guy that's willing to break the rules in order to get the bad guy? 
Is he going to be willing to, to, to not follow his normal line of integrity for him? To, and he struggles with this and he wrestles with this from the very opening to the very end of this movie. What kind of hero is he going to be? Who is he going to be? There's an inner conflict that's taking place. And that conflict happens in our lives. Many, many, many dads or many, many husbands struggle. People on the job say, hey, man, you work so hard, man. You, I'm so proud of you. The boss loves you and everybody. I mean, it's like you come in on Saturdays. You're just the guy. You're the guy. You're the, you're the corporate guy. Man. Everybody looks up to you. Everybody loves you. He says, yeah, you see that side, but I see a guy who doesn't like to go home because he doesn't want to deal with the tensions that come with a wife and kid. He doesn't want to confront the hard issues of life. So instead of going home, he just works and works and works. And he's conflicted. It's like the mother who seems to be the perfect mom. She's always baking cookies and at every PTA meet and at every association and everything. And she's always picking up kids and always dropping them off. And just always, she's like this great mom. And people look at her and say, wow, how do you pull it off? How do you do all of that? How do you get all that stuff accomplished? You're just so amazing. You're just so great. And she says, yeah, well, you see all that amazing stuff. But I see an overachiever trying to overcompensate for her insecurities. She's trying to put on a facade because I can't handle not having anything to do. Because if I don't have anything to do, I might just have to deal with the own issues in my life. And there's a conflict. There's a conflict that takes place. To even, even coming into this religious setting tonight, in this worship service, uh, many would come in and, and, and hear the redemptive story of the cross. But knowing that outside of this room, you are tied to a life of sin. Tied to a life of sin so much so to where you see the redemptive story of Jesus Christ. And you know his plan for you. And you know that you're not living how he has designed your life to live. But you are so tied to sin to where although you want God, you still want the pleasures of the world. And you find yourself torn trying to figure out how can I live this double life and you're conflicted because I love all the pleasures that the world has to offer but I also love the fruit that comes with worshiping and living for God. I love the peace that I feel when I come in this service but I also love the, the, the pleasures that the world offers me and I find myself torn between these two worlds and I'm conflicted trying to figure out who am I going to be? Who am I going to be? Even for believers, believers who, 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 who know uh, the truth of Jesus Christ and, and, and try to walk in that light. But just looking back over the last month, you can look back over your life and see that the way I've been living really doesn't measure up to, to God's standard. To be honest, the way I've been living doesn't even measure up to my own standard. And you look at that in you. You're conflicted and you feel guilty about this, this two-sided face. It's, it's the face that you show to people and then it's the face that many nights cries itself to sleep when it lays its head to pillow. It's this inner conflict. And then we all come to church. And we sit in this room and we walk in and we look and we say, well, wow, what a group of pretty people. All these people, all these well put together people, look around. I mean, everybody looks great in this place. All these couples, everybody just, everybody just all happy. Don't look like nobody's in conflict. 
It must just be me. Look at all these people. Y'all don't look like they're in She's got on a pretty green shirt. Look, she's got on a pretty smile. How in the world can she have a conflict? How in the world can they have a... Look, I just must be crazy. Nobody else in this place has any type of conflict. Everybody just looks so normal and so well put together, so pretty, so handsome, so nice. And some of you, not so much, but still. It's like, you know, you're still here and you look good. Never would know that. You got in the car and you came to church and wiped your tears from your face before you walked in. Never would know that that couple, that couple just in the parking lot, got in a fight on their way in the service. Never would know that the, that 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 guy he slept on the couch last night. That's why his back is all hurting. That's why he ain't standing up for no songs. His back's hurting from being on the couch all last night because he made his wife mad. Just a, just a quick look around the room. You never would know that. But friends, you know and I know. There's inner conflict in this room tonight. You know and I know that many of us struggle with this idea of conflict. It's not a conflict out there, but the one that takes place in here. The one that nobody else has to know about. The one that nobody else will see. Nobody else will see, but it's one that you feel. Many of us feel it on a daily basis. Our prayer that you would come to a service like a warehouse, that you would come into a place where we would lift up the name of Jesus and, and glorify him and that in some way that we're able to look above and beyond our conflict, look above and beyond the struggles in our life and begin to see the greatness of God and focus in on him because you know that as we live all that we know to live and as we commit our hearts to God and as God's plan for our lives come alive, there is no duplicity, there's no, there's no duality in our life. It's, it's this idea of we become one as we focus in on God. And it's my prayer that as we come in, we will focus in on how great and how awesome that God is and that as we focus on him, he would then in turn bring our lives into alignment. As we worship him, as we look at his glory and not focus on our own stories, but as we look at the greatness of God, that our lives would come into alignment and no longer live these dual conflicted lives, but to be whole to be complete, to be one. Here it is, to be shalom, peace, to have peace in our life. Because friends, when you're fighting on the inside and when there's conflict on the inside, you ain't having no peace. When, when, you, when, when there's conflict on the inside of your soul, there is no rest. You can sleep all night, but not get one ounce of rest. Because when you're conflicted on the inside, there's no peace and there's no rest. But God has ordained and designed your life for you to live in peace and rest. For you to have shalom, wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing lacking, but a whole complete peace and rest. Friends, that's God's plan for your life. And it is our prayer that as we come together and as we worship together, that this would be a moment where we would find ourselves doing some realignment with our life and that we would walk out of those double doors, walking in his peace and experiencing his rest. It's his plan for your life that you have peace and that you have rest. Do y'all believe that tonight? For some people, I can see their life and you say, yeah, easy for you to say that, brother preacher man, but you ain't seen my life. I got more drama than a little bit. 
I got some drama for your mama. If you look at my life, you will see it's some crazy stuff going on for you. I don't care how crazy your situation is. Hear me say, not Albert Tate's words, but the words of Jesus Christ. It is his will that your life be filled with peace and rest. Your life have peace and rest. Turn to your neighbor. That's the person sitting beside you just in case you're confused on who daddy is. Turn to your neighbor. Say, neighbor. Oh, come on. Y'all got to wake up with me tonight. Come on. Say, neighbor. It is God's plan for you to have peace and rest. It's yours. Heard me? Come on. Don't get, don't get, don't get scared now. Say, heard me? It's yours. All right. And tonight I pray that David will help us get there. Psalm 62. Let's look at this first piece here. Let's bring the lights up just a little bit more. Psalm 62. Listen to this first part. David is talking and David says, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Now, we all know that the that the NIV is a, is a translation of the original language. We know that it's a translation of the scriptures. And every now and then they will miss the, the true essence of the statement. NIV, uh, they, they, they missed it on this last part in this, uh, in, in this verse 2. This idea here, and you will see the fruit of what I'm saying in verse 3 and 4. The idea here is that David is saying that God is his rest and he is his salvation. And he says, not necessarily I will never be shaken, but a more literal translation would be, I won't be shaken greatly. Uh, I, I, I won't be shaken too bad. It's, it's this idea of I will take a hit, but I'm hoping it's not too bad. There's a sense and there's a hint of doubt in that statement. There's a there's a there's a hint of 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 of, of suspicion in that statement that that's not captured here. And this is why you see. This is why he has this 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 concept. Look at verse three. He says, "How long will you assault a man?" Would, would all of you throw him down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? They fully intend to topple him from his lofty place. They take delight in lies with their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they, they, they curse. It's, it's like David is in, a, is in an unstable place. He's in a real shaky place. And he says, the Lord, yes, he is my salvation because David knows that he can look back over his life and see time and time again how God has saved him, how God has spared him, how God has brought him out of situations. But he sits and he says, I know God is my salvation and I know that I won't be moved too too bad. I won't be shaken greatly because he's He's in a real hard and a shaky place. And then he begins to vent and he looks up and he sees all of these enemies, all these men coming against him. The ESV says all these men against one man, all these assaulting one. It's as if David is saying, why are so many of you against me? Why are you all coming against me? He says, he says, can't you see I'm a leaning wall? I'm a tottering fence. He, he says, can't you see I'm already half gone? Can't you see I'm already on my last leg? Can't you see I'm already down and out? Will you destroy a fallen man? I'm already, why are you coming against me? Why are you persecuting me? I'm all, you already got the best of me. I'm already losing hope. I already know God is my salvation and I'm already bracing because I don't know how hard I'm going to get this time. So how long will you assault a man that's down? And then he says, you take delight 
in this. You take delight in seeing my failure. You take delight in the lies that you say about me. And he's down and he's frustrated and he's leaning and he's on his last leg. And, and if that wasn't enough, he says, not only do you persecute me, but, but you bless me with your mouth. But in your hearts, you curse me. He's saying, with your mouth you come and you say, oh David, great king. Oh David, what a wonderful man. Oh David, what a great man. Oh David, but in your heart you walk away and you say, David is nothing. David must die. He says, the hypocrisy. Not only, not only do, do you, do you persecute me, but, but I don't even know who to trust. I'm in this restless place. I'm in this shaky place. And I'm alone and I'm restless and I don't have the peace because I don't know who's for me. I don't know who's against me. I don't know who to trust. I don't know what to do. Then he says, Selah. This, 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 this poem is written in three different stanzas and each stanza is separated by this Selah, by this word, which could easily be a, a musical term, which means uh, interlude. It's a time for a, a, a pause, a listen, a think and reflect. And out of this frustration, out of this isolation, he says, I'm restless. I don't know who's for me. I don't know who's against me. And then he says, Selah. In the pregnant pause, he says, declaratively, find rest, O my soul. It's as if, it's as if he demands his soul. It's as if he looks at this state that he's in and he says, I can't live like this. And he declares, soul, find rest. Let's read it together. He says, Find rest, O oh my soul, in God alone. Here it is. My hope comes from him. He doesn't say my salvation this time. He says my hope. As he looks back over his life, we can see, he can see this, the, south, the saving hand that's, that's delivered him many, many times. But this time he says my hope. It's like he turns the corner, no longer looking at the past deliverance, but he turns the corner and has a God-like expectation for the future. And he says, I know God who he's been, but who he has been, he is still willing to be. So my hope is found in him. My soul will find rest in him. He is my refuge. My honor and my salvation depend on God. It's as if he's saying my hope, my honor, it depends on me getting out of this place and getting to the place where God has called me to be. It, it's, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like when a preacher when, he, when he's talking or a singer and they, they, they just kind of get into it all of a sudden. And they, it's like they find their groove. Y'all, y'all, y'all know what that is, right? Groove. If y'all don't, I gotta find another church. Y'all, y'all come on. Y'all, y'all, it's like he finds his rhythm. It's like he finds that, it's like some extra kicks in. It's like he, he finds his help. It's like a little extra kick comes in. It's kind of like what Brett Favre is hoping that'll happen in these next couple of days. It's kind of, it's kind of like some extra kicks in. It's, and, and he finds his help and he begins to encourage himself. He begins to declare that my hope and my faith is found in him, he begins to move from this place. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a Rocky movie. You know, uh, in, a, in a Rocky movie, 
you know when Rocky is about to turn the corner. You know when Rocky is about to get his, his, his mojo back when what happens? When the music kicks in. When that music starts playing, it's like Rocky starts moving in slow motion. And it's like he starts running slow. But it's when the music, when the bass line, oh, there it is. He starts speeding up and Rocky starts running and you be sitting at home and you almost want to get up and start running. But then you remember you too fat to run. So you just sit down and let Rocky do all the running. You know what I mean? He's like, never mind. Rocky run, Rocky run. You do it. I'm a watch. I'm a watch. I'm a watch. You know, but it's like Rocky finds his help. That's what happens with David. It's almost like he says, I can't live like this. My soul must find rest. And he begins to move towards the place of focus. He begins to move towards the place where God has designed him to be. It's kind of like one of those movies when, when Rocky was getting beat up real bad. And uh, he says, he's, he calls his trainer, he says, yo, yo, Polly, yo, yo, Polly, man, I, I see three. I see three of them. I, I see three coming at me. I see three. I, I don't know which one to hit, Polly. I see three coming. And, and Polly says, hit the one in the middle. <laughs> because he knew the one in the middle. Don't, don't be distracted by the things on the side. But focus and center in on the one in the middle. It's kind of like when you got binoculars. When, you, when you're looking through binoculars, you know, if, if, you, if you got them too wide, you see two images. But as you bring them in and as you focus them in, it takes those two and it brings it into one. If you got a little head, you bring it in a little bit more and then it brings it in and it takes what you were seeing at first to double love. It brings it into a single focus. David began to center and focus in on the greatness of God and that began to bring a single focus to his conflicted life. It began to help him focus in on the thing that mattered most and that was who God is, not only who God has been, but who he's willing to continue to be in his life. He said, my hope is found in him. He centered in, he focused in. I remember uh, growing up at, at my church, uh, we didn't, uh, it was a small church. We just kind of had three aisles and for the offering, you know, we, we, we had to get up and walk around and give our offering. You know, at this church, you ain't even got to get up. We got perks here. You just sit there and we bring you the buckets. You ought to throw in a little extra tip for doing that. You know what I mean? I ain't got to get up here, go a little something extra, you know? Y'all don't think so? Maybe not. All right. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so, so, uh, so we would have our deacons to come up and kind of, kind of hold. So one deacon would stand right here. Another deacon would stand here in the middle and another one stand on the end and we'd walk around. And I remember, oh, Deacon Sonny, Deacon Sonny would say, uh, if you, if you want change, just in case people had like a hundred dollar bill or something, they want to change and they want to give it a hundred dollars, you know, whatever. Uh, they, he would say, if you want change, see the man in the middle. And I remember being a little boy and, and watching this scene and hearing Deacon Sonny say, if you want change, see the man in the middle. And I remember seeing that. And I remember one Sunday hearing him say that. And my eyes just kind of went up spiritually. And I kind of began to think about Calvary. And I thought about Calvary. And I thought about on this side, it was a thief. And on the left side of Jesus, it was a thief. And in the center, you had Jesus there hanging on the cross. And I imagine if Deacon Sonny was there on Calvary's hill, if he'd turn around and say, if you want change, see the man in the middle. Friends, tonight, if you want change, see the man in the middle. If you've been living this conflicted life, I'm telling you, change comes when you focus in and center in 
on the man in the middle. Because the man in the middle gave his life so that you don't have to live two, but one life. And he died so that your conflicted soul could be whole, could be one, could be complete. For you to experience peace and rest in your life. David says he is my fortress. When I think about fortress, I think it's, it's a military term. It was used as, the, as a defense to keep away uh, the enemy. And, and, and I think it's, the fortress is like a strong place. David says, he is my strong place. He is my strong place. And I go to him because he covers me. He protects me. He comforts me. He play, provides a place of refuge for me. I can just see David coming to this, to this strong place, but coming, coming from a shaky place, headed to a strong place. I'm sure David was desperate. I'm sure David really needed more from God. I, 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 I couldn't help but think of an old hymn that we used to sing, uh, and, I, and I would just hear David saying these words, Fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord, come and quench. This thirsting of my soul, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up, and make me whole. When you come into this place, it is our prayer. If your issue is confliction, if you're, if you're just burdened down by the weight of the world, that you could come into this place, come into the strong presence of God, acknowledge him as your fortress and say, fill my cup, Lord, fill it up and make me whole, make me complete, make me experience the peace and the rest that you have for my life, Selah. Pause. Reflect. Listen. As David paused. The third stanza opens. And it's almost as if he breaks his silence, he breaks his Selah with an epiphany. It's like, I get it. He looks back and he says, Low men are but a breath. High men are alive. Basically, I can just imagine him looking back over all the stuff that he was worried about, all the people he was thinking about. And he says, low men, people that are broke, people that are poor are just a breath. And wealthy people are just alive. He looks back over. It's almost as if, it's almost as if he opens his eyes from that moment and he, he, he says this, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. It's like all of a sudden he can see clearly what God has been up to as he was in this shaky place, worried about the people, worried about all of the things that were coming against him. And as he moved from that place, declaring that his soul must find rest and as he gets centered on God, now he looks looks back over his life and almost as if to say, I was worried about that. I was depressed about that. I was conflicted about that. He says, he says, surely if you take all of the things that I was worried about, if you take all the stuff that you struggle with and you put it on a scale and take the strong man of God, the mighty fortress of God and put God on the scale, there will be no comparison. 
It's almost like, it's almost like you take me, uh, this, this big dude, right? Y'all, y'all remember Seesaw? Y'all play the Seesaws in California? Y'all remember Seesaw, right? It's like you take a little baby girl. You take a little baby and you put her on this end of the Seesaw. And then you take me and I jump on the other end of the Seesaw. What's going to happen to the little girl? She's going up to Jesus. That's it, you know? She's going to be like, hey, Jesus, whoa. You know, she, she, she going up, right? David is saying, take all the stuff of the world. Take all the stuff you're worried about. Take all the stuff that you're struggling through and put it on this side and then drop the greatness of God on this side. And what's going to happen to your problems? They're going up to Jesus. They're going up to Jesus. You don't have to worry. David says, I realize that the people and the things in my life, I was giving them too much weight. David says, they're but a breath. No weight. No substance. I got a feeling there may be some people that have come in tonight carrying the weight of life, carrying the weight of the world, carrying the confliction. And I want to encourage your heart tonight. And I want to tell you, you've given it too much weight because those things are but a breath compared to the greatness and the strength of God. David closes this psalm by saying, one thing you have spoken, two things I have heard. This was common in Hebrew writing because the two bring a greater truth to the one. He says, David says, I've heard this, that God, you are strong and God, you are loving. God, you're, you're, you're strong enough to fight off my enemies, but loving enough to console me and comfort me. Strong enough to destroy those who hurt me, but loving enough to restore my soul and to heal the wounds of my brokenness. God, you're strong and you're loving. And in your strength and in your love, I find rest. I find rest in a loving and a strong God. Friends, tonight, if you came heavy... I want to encourage you. If you came restless, I want to encourage you. If you came fighting for peace, friends, brothers and sisters, tonight I want to encourage you. How do you respond to a message like this? What, 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 how do you respond? I would say respond like this. Selah. Pause. Think. Shh. Listen. Turn, turn the people down in your life who, who cause you stress. Turn the, turn the struggle of finances down in your life who, who cause you to, 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 to stress out and worry. Turn, turn the conflict down shh, and listen to the voice of God because he's saying, let me be strong for you and let me love you. He said, focus on me. Leave the shaky place. Center, focus. And let me bring peace to your troubled mind. And in my peace, in this place of my strength and in my love, you will find rest. That's what he wants to do for you tonight. I don't care how big the problem. It's a breath. Tonight. Find the rest and the peace of God in his strength and in his love. Let's pray.
God, I thank you. Because you're a God who will see the conflicts in our lives. And you love us so much to where you're willing to enter in. God, we pray that in our life where there's conflict, that you would enter in tonight and say, peace, be still. That you would come in and offer rest for the restless soul tonight. That you would offer peace to the conflicted heart tonight. God, I pray that as we, a body, as there may be those that don't even know you tonight, there may be those that are walking with you but still experience confliction. God, wherever we stand, wherever we sit in this room, God, I pray that even now we would focus on the one who is in the center. Because we recognize that the man that's in the middle is the one who can bring change to our life. Bring change tonight. Bring change tonight. Bring peace tonight, God. And bring rest tonight. May we forever seek your strength and your love. Make us one. Make us whole. Give us peace. May we experience your rest. Selah. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.